Welcome back everyone to For Poop to Gold. I'm Daniel Harmon, Chief Creative Officer at Harmon Brothers. My guest today is Dana Malstaff. Welcome, Dana. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. Dana is the founder and CEO of Boss Mom, which is a really cool community for mom entrepreneurs. And we're gonna dive a little bit into your story. How, how did this come about? How did you start this business of Boss Mom? By the way, the name is awesome, it's brilliant. Well, I quit my job. Everybody took me out and drank tequila and I got <laughs> pregnant. And that's, okay. that's basically how that got, got started. So, um, which I tell people, people will be like, that's a bit of a, that's, is that too much information? I'm like, man, if you can't handle how people like have babies, you're not going to be able to handle having your own business. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, yeah, I, I, so I quit. I knew I was going to start my own business. We'd been trying to have a baby. It wasn't working probably because I was working 80 plus hour weeks at a director level for a patient advocacy company and everybody took me out and I was celebrating. And yeah, I basically found out six weeks later I was pregnant, which was my body was like, Oh, you're going to take a break. Awesome. Let's time. Let's pop out a baby. <laughs> so I was, ba I was pretty much in that situation where I had no idea how to be a parent or an entrepreneur. And I was thrown in the deep end of both, which interestingly, that's how I like to do it. I grew up in a MacGyver family oh, and we, yeah. we say that like, like my brother and I every year for Christmas, give each other something made of duct tape as tradition. <laughs> awesome. And uh, I've made a lot of things out of duct tape. And yeah, so I basically was thrown in the deep end. And what I've always known is that I am not meant to be a stay-at-home mom. Like my brain needs to be creating. It needs to be discussing. It needs to be collaborating. I'm an extrovert. So I need people. I need interaction. I need like things messy and figuring it out. Uh, and so I did not want to be a stay-at-home mom, which comes with a massive amount of guilt. So after my son was five months old, we were in Columbus, Ohio, moved back to San Diego and realized that everybody around me was also in this situation where there's a ton of moms who had kids and were trying to figure it out. And we were all feeling guilty and we're all feeling stressed out. And so I ended up writing the book, Boss Mom, The Ultimate Guide to Raising Your Business and Nurturing Your Family Like a Pro, which is basically about not being so guilty about wanting to do more than just be a parent and having an individual you know, sense of self before you had kids. Why should you not have that after you have kids? And, and, and really, we just what I'm good at is community building. What I'm good at from a, a corporate standpoint is I used to run focus groups. We used to help create employee engagement so we could create employee retention and all these kinds of things. And it all, it all just worked together for me to under, and I have a journalism major and this background in questions, asking good questions and curiosity being one of my, what my parents gave most credit for, right? They gave most mm -hmm. validation when you were curious that we just created a, a space and a community out of acceptance and curiosity, not pushing information to somebody, but asking people to share and connect in a really authentic way. And it caught like wildfire. And then like any good entrepreneur, I just fanned the flame, fanned the flame. Yeah. And, um, and now we boss mom the heck out of everything. There you go. So it wasn't necessarily starting with this giant empire in mind or anything along those lines, as much as just, you, you say it kind of started with the book, right? Yeah. Well, and, and, and to be honest, it, it was, if anybody is ever, and maybe when you guys are doing campaigns, you're thinking about this, the idea that we wake up and we just have ultimate clarity in like day one, that's, mm -hmm. I mean, that's not how anything works about right. anything in life. And so really I may dive in and just do it. And for me, writing a book was, was, uh, gave me space to have that clarity. I come from a background of writing family with writers um, and creatives and artists. And I always, I, I actually, my brother is a sculptor, like to puts things in, you know, in airports and outside of baseball stadiums. And my dad, um, when he was alive would airbrush cars 
cars and was in car magazines. And so I have this family where I always felt the least artistic. Okay. But so writing to me was like, what I can do is I can write. And so I thought my book will be, you know, will be my, my, my piece de resistance, so to speak, my, my, you know, legacy. And, and when I dug in, I realized what it was, was I was journaling, you know, for the public, basically. Right. And then what I found out, which is what most of us find out when we are on that sort of walkabout of life, is we find out, wow, I'm not alone. And I, and I really, like, one of the key moments for me was I remember my, I, I dropped my kids off and I was going to Vegas with my, uh, with my husband's time. And it was the first time we'd left the kids ever. I forgot their lunches and I called the school and I'm going, oh my gosh, you know, can you feed them? And they're like, yeah, sure. And I get off the phone. I'm like, worst mom ever. And my mom said, how snooty of you to think that you're the only parent that has ever forgotten their kids' lunches. Uh, and it completely yeah. like reframed everything for mm-hmm. me to be, oh, you're right. Like I'm not alone. And I shouldn't feel so higher than now that I am guilty as, as if, you know, like, oh, this is so, I'm so angsty about it. And, yeah. um, and yeah, and that, that really was kind of a big moment for me. And I think in anything we do in business, like how snooty of you to think you're the only one that something has totally failed or that your kids are jerk faces sometimes, or that that <laughs> campaign you made didn't work or that, you know what I mean? It's like, we're all just cyclically doing the same things. And the, right. the goal is find people that are cyclically in your same realm, the people that have been done it before, the people that are behind you and kind of get into a good groove and just go on living. Yeah, there's always plenty of them for sure. Cool. So when was it that you knew? So you mentioned that as you were writing this book, you started noticing other people are obviously very, very much relating to this journal that you're doing for the public. Um, when was it that you were like, okay, this can be, this can extend a little bit beyond, for example, this book, and I, I can make it this into other things to help people. Like, can you take us through a little bit of that journey? Oh, I think in my mind, I, I you know, there's two, the go big or go home. My favorite is you got to risk it to get the biscuit is my favorite okay. one. Yeah. Um, but y- y- I always knew, it was like, well, I knew I, I did my internship at a radio station. I know I'd already started a podcast and just wasn't really l- like digging the theme. It was called Expand Your Reach and it was about social media. And I was like, ah. So boss mom was like, oh, I'm going to love this. I already knew we wanted a Facebook group. So I was working on becoming micro famous in other people's communities. Mm. So I already knew I wanted those things. The question with anything we put out into the world, and you guys are in marketing, so you know, you know, you just you either either it's going to work the way your brain imagines it will, you know, yeah. or it won't. And so I just kind of dabbled in things, and it and it took off. So what I didn't realize was how amazingly, insanely engaged our Facebook group would be. What yeah. I didn't realize was that women. I mean, and men everywhere. I just happen to specialize in the women department because I am one, so I get it and I understand it more. But man, I did not realize how much people are just insanely sad and feeling unvalued and feeling isolated and feeling alone and feeling like there's something wrong with them. Like maybe it's their fault that some, the world is the way it is. Like it's their fault that thing isn't working and that maybe if they were just better or that, and just creating a space where somebody, where they feel like when they show up, somebody gives a crap that they're there. Yeah. Like man, the, and that's why I love grassroots marketing. Like I, I love it because it makes people actually feel like somebody is happy that they're alive. And we just, we need more of that in the world. Like the more we can have it where someone, because the people that love us the most, like our spouses, our kids, our parents, we are really bad at showing that because we get so locked up in the logistics of life that you just don't realize that figuring out who is going to take your kid to karate class, like supersedes 
telling your wife she's sexy or telling your husband that you love that he keeps you guys safe. You know, yeah. we just don't realize that. And then you go finally go to a place where someone says, wow, your voice is important and I'm happy that you're here. And man, loyalty is just built in that space. Huge. That's great. So it lends itself, like you said, very well to your strengths. You're an extrovert. You're very good with people. You have all those artistic roots. I have no shame. That. Really, that's <laughs> it. I have no shame, which means I'm, I don't get on and worry if I look okay. I don't worry if I'm, you know, like I just, I just don't worry. I think a lot of people worry about whether somebody's going to love them. And I think I was well loved as a child. So I don't feel like I'm worried that's, that I'm cared about. Um, and therefore I feel like I'm a little more fearless than others to just get in and just be there. It's, it's, just exist. it's the perfect entrepreneurship trait really, because for someone like myself, I'm also an artist, but I'm very much cursed with the imposter syndrome. You know, I don't know why I was loved plenty as a kid and everything, but at the same time, always just like, oh, you can't do that. And that kind of, you know, voice going in the back of my head or like have, wanting to get it perfect rather than just being messy and learning along the way. I was going to say that the difference, I think, is the people that that really feel like mastery is what needs to be attained. So I have several friends where mastery is the key. Like mastery was prized when they were growing up. Mastery was, you know, and that's how they grew up. To me, when I grew up, it was, it was uh, figuring it out. So we would sit oh, at the table the when my dad, yeah, my dad was an entrepreneur. My stepdad was an entrepreneur, but he retired when, when my parents got married and when I was like eight or nine, and then he wrote books, you know, mm. that was his passion. And so until I went to college and he's like, well, I better start another business so we can pay for your college was basically <laughs> how that worked. Um, we would sit at dinner, like at the dinner room table and he would have a big easel and we'd come home from school and he'd go, okay, so what happened at school? And I'd be like, oh, well, Becky came and talked to me and, you know, and it was awesome. Okay. So where were you? Well, we were at the lockers. All right. Was the locker open or closed? Well, it was, it was open. Okay. So was she leaning on it? Were you leaning on it? Were you guys paying to other, attention to other people? So what we do is he really helped me to learn to be attentive to what was happening as opposed to thinking about what the end product was and worrying about whether that was perfect. It was, it was, he was into storytelling. So it was all about the nuances of the moments and that made me really attentive to things. And that's why I love questions and community because I'm learning every moment and that learning, I'm like an AI, like I'm adaptive in that. And so that was prized in my family. So I think it's the difference between what was valued. Is it mastery and, and, and the end product or mm-hmm. is it the process in between? And I think that dictates how fast you can move through things and how much failure hits you. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And what great wisdom for him to go through that ex- exercise with you to to really learn to pay attention to those things along the way and, and really be curious, like you said, just value that process. So that's that's awesome. Well, the name of this podcast is Poop to Gold. So what what is your Poop to Gold uh, story, Dana? What um, When did things get really crappy before you were able to turn them into something positive? Yeah. Oh my gosh. This is a hard question because I feel like I've had way too many poop to gold moments. I was with, I, I was my, I was starting with my dad. Um, I, I like, I worked for him once at the company he started when I went to college and ended up working for him a couple years, uh, after I graduated. And I remember him taking me out cause they, the heat, they shut it down. Like they had given it to a CEO. The CEO never paid taxes. And, and so what they were going to shut it down and he took me out to breakfast and he's like, we're firing everybody, including you. And just want to let you know a couple hours before everybody else knows. So I got <laughs> literally got fired by my own dad and, um, and then got hired on as a skeleton 
crew and they're like that, right? I I got divorced like right in the middle of having like all all this stuff. But I, the the one that I picked and um is that my three weeks before my my I had an annual event. It was a huge event here in San Diego. You know, women flying in from everywhere, big stage, most amount of money is you know hundred thousand dollars just to pay for the event, which is the most I'd ever paid for anything. And my dad passed away three weeks before that event oh, happened, and he'd been in decline. And you know, I'd gotten divorced a year before, and my I had a two and a four year old. I mean, it was it was a lot to handle. And I remember that the the just like there was nothing I could do about it. Like you don't even know how you feel about things. And I remember being at the event, and I had a team of three or four of my best friends that were there, and they would literally go with me to the hotel room at you know three or four times a day, and I would just cry my my butt off mm -hmm. and then and then one of them that did makeup would redo my makeup and then we would go back and I just purged I just you know oh, and, yeah. and the big thing the big thing for me is there's two things that were big like the reason I think that's the poop to gold story is there's two things one is I still had an amazing time while I'm there so mm -hmm. the people that think that happiness needs to be some conglomerate of like insane amounts of back-to-back-to-back-to-back happy moments I think is a bad way to live your life and a bad way to run a business and a bad way to have a family. And, you know, and so to me, I still had amazing time. I had amazing relationships. I had all these things. So what if I was insanely sad for 30% of the time, there's 70% of the time that I was amazingly happy and so happy that I had this event. And so every day where I tell women, you can't cry out your intelligence. Mm -hmm. So you could cry in the bathroom because it took an hour for your kids to put their shoes on before school. And then you can get on a client call and be a rock star. Like, those things can coexist. So that's yeah. important. And then the second one was I, I had thought that was my third event and I thought I've done them. So I have to keep doing them and I have to do them better and better each time. And, you know, I've got to, I, everybody's expecting it of me. Everybody wants it. So I have to give it to them. And, and the big lesson for me, cause I stopped doing those events and I really mainly stopped I stopped doing most of my events except for people that were paying me a lot of money to come to a little mastermind. And oh my God, it was so freeing. Like when you think you have to do something and you're doing it because you love other people, but you're not really getting out of it what you want. And maybe it's not helping your business as much as a lot of other things that could take half of the effort. You just stop doing it. Just stop doing it. You know what? Everybody's going to forgive you. Nobody's going to care a year from now. And, and the handful of people that wished you did it, they're going to find another way to be with you, you know? And I would loved it. Like, just the letting go was awesome. That's great. Great story. Love it. Um, like you said, you can feel more than one emotion at once. It doesn't all have to be super excitement and happiness and everything. You can feel you can feel grief and all those things can come at once. Well, and think too, like your kids, the idea that we are different than our children, I think is a funny notion that our kids are a range of emotions every single day. They're happy and then they cry and then they're annoyed and they don't understand. Adults are the same exact way. We are delusional to think that we are somehow more elevated than our children emotionally. We're not. So the sooner we accept it, then the less we have to feel guilty about it. And then the more we can start being smart about when those moments come and deal with them better because denial in any part of your life, including entrepreneurialism, is the worst place to be. Like you can't yeah. deal and solve a problem if you're not accepting that it exists. Yes, very wise. Ab absolutely. I believe that 100%. Well, let me go down a little bit of a road now with um, Boss Mom. 
on some of your advice for people that are both entrepreneurs and parents, and, and there's a lot of us out there, right? Um, what are what is what is some what are the, some of the top things you see people struggling with? I mean, you've already mentioned them a little bit, and then some of your kind of primary techniques or or principles that you focus on to help people through that. Yeah. Okay. So, gosh, again, like for all of us that have been in business for long enough, there's just there's just so much that you could say. But the one thing I'm really I really focus on um, with my audience and and the people that I work with is is the engagement component. And what I see most often is that we have been conditioned to believe that if we just create more content and create new content consistently, that we will win out. Okay. And, and I think that's yeah. in parenting too, because I think everything is, core, is, is all a correlation. Um, and what I want to tell people is that more content and more new content isn't good. Like the, the phrase that you shouldn't try to, to say new things to the same people, you should say the same thing to new people. You should live by that phrase, right? Which, and the same thing for your kids, right? You want your kids to act the way you want them to act. Well, don't say new things all the time and try and do all these things like consistency. You just use consistency of message, not consistency of timing. And I think that's what people have to understand. Consistency of message is the most important thing because people, I, I don't remember what book I read it in, but somebody said, until somebody is mocking a phrase that you say, you haven't said it enough. Mm. And so I think in every aspect of our life, especially in business, stop yearning to consistency make more new stuff to where you're just diluting the market with your message and then you're diluting you're confusing the market because they don't know what you actually stand for pick one or two opinions and one or two things you actually care about and really want to be known for and only talk about those things and if you're gonna do a lot of marketing then only create marketing for those things because if you're spending all your time creating content and you're not telling anybody about it well then you have a bunch of content that a hundred people see and nobody cares about right it the, the idea right. is this consistency of message so that's what I'd say. And same with your kids. You want your kids to do what you want. You know, consistency of message is not consistency of time, but consistency of message. I love that because there's so many, so many places to gain a following now, so many places, places to engage with, with either followers or customers. And there is this temptation to just really stretch yourself out across all of that. Continue to just put out as much content as possible. Um, I mean, for lack of a better term, I, I, I obviously follow him and, and think he has a lot of fantastic ideas, but I mean, it's very much a Gary V kind of a <laughs> approach of putting putting everything out there. I just don't think that can work for, for everybody because um, Gary V has a huge army behind him making all that work. And so many of us are not necessarily in that place. It's much better to focus like you said, on a specific message and with a specific audience and, and kind of stick with them rather than, okay, I've, I've got to be on TikTok. I've got to be on Twitter. I've got to be on Facebook. I've got to be on LinkedIn, you know, just on and on and on, but um, fo focus in. Yeah. And, and, and think about this too. Like f f everybody f keeps doing, I, I see social boards and things all the time of people doing planning. And what they do is they plan out ideas for things they want to teach. So what we've been told is that if you teach people, like push information, because what you say is really valuable and you've got to like, it's your job in this world to tell people what you know. Yeah. And I come from a background in journalism where you learn to ask questions, appreciative inquiry certification, question-based selling, like the curiosity that my dad would ask me. And I say, 
I say no to that kind sir. I say no. I say, do not push your information at people as if what you say is the most important thing and that they should stop everything to listen to you. We should yearn to actually ask questions and understand more, right? Mm-hmm. That's, that's why Boss Mom works so well because in every time when I, I tell them about something about me, I ask them to tell me about them. Like even in every social post, like, and that's what we teach for, for how we teach, you know, Facebook groups and how to engage in them. And even on social media is if you're going to tell somebody you have a podcast episode that's coming out, don't just say, I've got a podcast episode, go watch it. Like Jenna Kutcher, I was on her show and she asked me to audit her Facebook group and she has 50,000 plus people in there. And when she does that, she gets eight to 10 comments, right? <laughs> but if she says, hey guys, I was, you know, I was just doing uh, this episode, this, it c- came out, go have a listen. But what I really want to know is how you do this or when you do this or how do you feel about this? Yeah. Hundreds of comments, sure. right? Because we just, we're in this world where like, yeah, you push stuff out and then you have to come up with ideas about what those are. And then they're all different ideas because you want to keep being new and fresh but if you just couldn't and and then you have people that like I tell people man if you can't write down what you're known for and what process you bring people through on a napkin like if you can't do it while you're having a drink at a bar and have it make sense then you haven't figured it out enough but we aren't given space to figure it out because we're told we have to create new content that's surface content so we're never given the chance to go in and dig in and the people that are have amazing successful businesses are the businesses where they keep pruning and I heard Michael Stelsner say that he's like we don't add more we take back we take it back we take back we take back yeah he like, has he has his michael has his to stop list right thing mm-hmm. you all have, we all have our to-do list but he has actually a to stop list I right love it. Uh-huh. yeah which i love we should have more of that mm-hmm. yep awesome love that i get the sense that you're a super connector is that uh, is that true <laughs> I, I, I say that I'm the rogue of business because I suck up people's energy. <laughs> like, like I'm a true extrovert that I don't, I actually don't drink coffee when I'm in like at events. Cause it like puts you over like the crazy edge kind of a thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm a little shaky yeah. and I hug too much. Yeah. yeah, that happens. Okay. Yeah. Especially right now. That's not the best thing, <laughs> but, um, what, any, any networking tips for our audience? I do. I, I mean, as you can tell, I have opinions about just about everything. But um, yeah, so this is what I generally tell people is that your goal, whenever you are out connecting with people, whether it's on a podcast, whether it's at an event, whether, you know, it doesn't matter. Um, create an inside joke. That should be your goal. Right. So stop trying to tell them about you and ask them these surface questions. What you want to find is I remember having I was talking about this with somebody and we were, you know, we were talking about things. And then and then I casually mentioned that, you know, there was a show uh, that I I was like, yeah, I've been watching the IT crowd. And she's like, oh, my gosh. She's like, have you tried turning it off and turning it on again? I was like, yes, that's the best. (sighs) Right. And we immediately had a connection. And now she texts me and she's like, Dana, I was just on with a client. And all I wanted to tell them was, have you tried turning it off and back on again? Oh, right. Because that's, that's what he brilliant. tells everybody. Yeah. That's, and I'm telling you, that's it. When you, when I walk up to somebody and it doesn't matter how famous or how, you know, like, like nobody knows who they are. It doesn't matter where they are in the spectrum. Find a point of connection that is authentic, that has nothing to do with your business. That has nothing for me. A lot of times it's kids and we joke about kids and that's easy. Sure. But you, you get into these, you know, these like moments, even with Michael Sulser's daughter and I'm sitting there talking to her and she loves Star Wars. And I'm like, oh, this is, I got this in the bag. Like we are going to connect. I remember, um, gosh, who was I? I was talking to Joel Com and we were, and I hadn't met him yet. And we walked up and I, and he was talking to me and I was like, well, I can obviously tell you think very highly of yourself and therefore I'm going to pay no attention to you. Cause I assume that's exactly. 
exactly what you're not used to getting. He's like, I'm going to let you, you know, and it just, that's it. And we just, by the end of the night, we had this hilarious, uh, you know, inside joke where we were just, it was like, I was like, I'm sorry, I'm too busy for you right now, you know, <laughs> but that's the thing. Like that's, that's where connection is. It's not by being helpful and giving them a tip they're going to take home. It's by having an inside joke. Inside jokes are the that. key to networking. That is a great hack to get, like you said, to that really, uh, that really concrete connection that you can have with someone and always kind of go back to that's I love that that's maybe the best networking tip I've ever heard in my life if if I want to be honest with myself because I mean I love I love to laugh I'd love to be able to make jokes and everything but that gives me a different way to approach it as opposed to just like have interest them in them you know because that for me like sometimes that flows naturally to just have interest in somebody and to ask them about themselves. And sometimes I have to force, I'm more of an introvert. I sometimes I have to force that more out of myself. But if I'm thinking to myself, how can I get to an inside laugh that only only she and I are going to be able to know? That's that's awesome. I love it. Anyway. Yeah. And, and it requires you to think about what you actually care about. Yeah. Right. Like, hey, what are the what are the shows I like? What are the things I think are funny? And sometimes you're going to meet somebody and it's going to fall completely flat and you're going to realize you have nothing in common. And it helps you also realize that it doesn't matter how helpful a collaboration with them would be. You'd be miserable every moment of it. And yeah. that in itself is also insight. Because yeah. in this life, man, it's too short to not hang out with people that think you're funny. Like right. that's that's my opinion. Like right. if nobody gets, I remember my brother dated somebody once and my parents loved her. And I was like, she does not think my jokes are funny. I do not think this is going to work. Dana, for our audience, where should they look you up? Where where do you want them to go to find out more about you and what you're doing? Yeah, yeah. Boss-mom.com will send them to us. If they literally just Google Boss Mom, I'm about 10 to 20 pages deep. So that's super yeah. easy. But boss-mom.com is the simplest way to get to the our podcast. And we have a Boss Mom and Boss Dad podcast. And we've got the Facebook group. And we've got resources and all the, all the fun stuff. No judgment, just dance parties is what we like to say. <laughs> there you go. That's amazing. I love it. Well, thank you so much for your time, Dana. It has been a true pleasure to have you on. Thank you for the wisdom that you've been able to share with our audience. And for those of you that are joining us, make sure to subscribe to this podcast so you can get more great episodes. And we'll see you on the next one.